The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com Extended Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended and we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. Uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's, uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of extended. Extended. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.
Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. On the weekend that's just gone, the 18th through to the 20th of October 2019, I spent a wonderful time at the Tiger Moth Club of New Zealand's 50th anniversary fly-in at Tamaranui. Tamaranui was a significant place for the fly-in because exactly 50 years ago, that was the airfield where the club had their first fly-in after being formed. In this episode, I had the opportunity to talk with a couple of people who actually formed the club, Loretta McGarry and her ex-husband Bob McGarry. I also talked with very active member Amanda Rutland and past president Jim Lawson, as well as the current president Keith Skilling. I'm with Loretta McGarry and you go right back to the beginning of the Tiger Moth Club, don't you? Yes. Myself and my husband and another chap, um, we started the Tiger Club, as it was called then, of the uh, New Zealand. I said I, I wrote to the Tiger Club in England to ask them if we could start a club in New Zealand. And they sent this wonderful letter um, congratulating and giving us you know, the go-ahead and wished us all the best and so we started it and um, husband and I, who's now my ex, we didn't fly, didn't own an aircraft um, but the other chap um, who helped start it, he had a tiger moth and um, but we were just mad on vintage aviation and so we called it the tiger club and then after um, I don't know how many years um, one of the members suggested that the name should be changed to the Tiger Moth Club. So, and they actually got in touch with me and I, I agreed. I said, yes, I don't mind that. Yep. At least they're still keeping the name. Yep. And um, so we had, uh, and a friend of ours who was a CFI down here, because um, we lived in Auckland, and he suggested having the fly-in here because it was away from all the, the traffic lanes. And, and he said, and I remember his exact words, um, he said it's a long enough airfield for a deck to get an outer. And he said any, and he said some of these pilots are fairly new. Yeah. Um, but I always remember him saying any full pilot can get in and out of Tamaranui. Because the, I think it's called Echo Lens. That had sort of um, not long closed. Okay. And I remember on the the inaugural fly-in. Um, someone had just come in an aircraft and they said, oh, there's a lot of aircraft circling around just south of the town. And they said, oh, they're flying over the X airfield, Echo Land. I think it's Echo Land. Okay. And so someone went down and broke them all in and brought, <laughs> brought them home. <laughs> and it was quite funny. And um, But it, it was just... But we had weather that was sort of fine misty rain and sunshine during the weekend. And um, one of our members flew up in a just over the, the ridge here behind the club rooms, and uh, and it was all came in, all flagged in, and all of a sudden um, he's flying along and he's got um, the ground in front of him, so he had to turn on. He said, I remember he said he had to turn on a wingtip to get out of there, and we had. Um, 
I've forgotten his name now, Morris somebody. Because um, we didn't want a civil aviation guy down here, but we had to have one. And then members were saying, fancy bringing him down. And I said, we never asked him, because they just, um, well, they sent him up from Wellington. Uh, Murray Willis. People didn't like him. Okay. And um, <coughs> anyhow, we were, sent a letter. I've got all the original letters. And so he arrived, and there was a caravan put beside the club rooms. And he saw these aircraft taking off into the mist and everything. He said, oh, I give up. And he went into the caravan, and we saw him there at the window with a bottle and a glass. <laughs> so we sort of lost him for the day, and members were glad. But it was just a wonderful weekend, and um, two friends of ours, because we, we um, belonged to the North Shore Club, because we lived in Auckland, and um, two friends of ours are parachutists. Um, they said, oh, they'd come down here and jump out of a tiger, which they did. And they landed over in the stream on the other side of the airfield, and of course it was an open day and the public arrived, it was an enormous day. And of course these parachutists disappear from sight, and the public ran across the airfield, to our horror. But, um, and of course, you know, there was nothing wrong with them. And, um, but it was just, it was just a wonderful weekend. But I've got all the records there if you want to go through that and and add that. Uh, So how did you originally get into aviation then? How did you get this interest in Um, aircraft? Well, I... I lived with my parents and, and brother uh, on station at Fanuapai. Dad was a head electrician for the Ministry of Works, which is named from the past. And um, so we lived on a station, House 25, our NZF station, Fanuapai was our address. And, um, and I got used to, you know, all the aircraft there. And then um, we shifted there in 56, and in January 1960 I started in the, in the terminal. Okay. In the cafeteria, so I saw all these aircraft coming and going, and, and um, I'd only been there a few days, and the Super Connie was being phased out, the Whispering Giant, which was beautiful aircraft of Canadian Pacific, and then Pan Am was there, and all the names that have disappeared now, and um, and it was just wonderful, and I used to do up food, beautiful food compared to what they have now on aircraft, for the Dakota. And um, we had a baker, and and she'd bake these beautiful scones, and I'd butter the scones, and I'd make the club sandwiches, and they were all wrapped up and put in. A, I had to pack them into a tiny box, wooden stick for a teaspoon, and a couple of packets of sugar, and then I'd go and fill up the multi pots with hot water and make make the tea and the tins of coffee, and pack all the, the cups, and uh, I had a, a special little kitchen to. It was all hygienic and. I worked there to do that that um, lot, yep. and then the loaders would come along and unload all the, the dirty cups from the previous <laughs> flight, and uh, you know they'd take all this, this clean stuff and all the beautiful food away. Oh, wow. okay. And um, gosh, that's in the past. That that was yes, that was 1960. So how many flights a day were you doing? Oh, around then? no, I don't know. I worked. That was a kitchen part. It, the kitchen was in the end of the old NAC terminal, um, which was uh, now offices, uh, and we had just across the back of the the building, and it was a kitchen for Sky Chef, which had a bad name for high prices, 
a chap, Rolly Ellison in Wellington, he started Sky Chef, he had Sky Chef at Rongatai and Fanua Pai. And um, so I worked in that kitchen for a few months and they used to, we used to cook the meals for all the crews, you know, Pan Am, um, Qantas, all, all the different air crews would come and have their, their meals with us. And uh, on a Friday we'd cook fish and chips and the Air Force used to come because we were right beside hangar number one. And um, it was just fantastic. And then I transferred to the, um, the terminal and so I was there four years and it was wonderful watching all the different aircraft come and go and I had my trusty box brownie with me and I have piles of photos I've taken over the years. Um, and you know, the boss knew that I had this camera and I said, can't go out there. And, and then, um, I've forgotten his name, a, a chap who flew for um, Freddie Ladd's plane with the Grumman Widgeon. He was a fantastic pilot, and um, we heard that because I, whenever I saw the star, the, we used to get a newspaper called the Star, Auckland Star, and whenever he was in the terminal, I knew something was going on. And so I went up and I said, "Oh, what's happening?" And he saw he said the Grumman's coming in, and, and the the right uh, wheel won't come down. Oh, okay. So um, I rushed and spoke to the boss and he said, grab your camera. <laughs> so here's the star photographer and I on a little jitney and we watched this plane come in and we, and we were given permission to go across the main runway. This is for Nurpai, Air Force Station. And, um, and we watched, gosh, he was a fantastic pilot, I can't think of his name, well known. And he came in with us and he had one passenger an 86-year-old lady who loved flying, thank goodness. And we saw him come in, and he kept his right wing up for so long, and he came in and then, you know, and of course the, the Teal boys, um, as I call them, they were, they'd come over in their jitneys, and all, we're all waiting along the side of the, the runway, yeah. and, um, and they had a, a stand with them, big stand. And so, and then the, the aircraft came and Bruce, somebody, and um, anyhow he landed and just then he, the wing slowly came down, absolutely beautiful, yeah, so um, that was amazing, but I, I was out there lots of times with, with the star photographer, he'd, he'd have all his fancy gear and I'd be with my box he said I started with one of those, <laughs> and um, but all the different types of aircraft I saw, in those four years, and you know, the start of the, um, I can't remember if it was the Screamers, as we called them, um, Viscounts, yep. and there was the Friendships, which filled the terminal full of kerosene fumes, and, um, but oh, it was, it was just great, but I remember seeing when people came into the terminal with dark glasses, with their, oh, they're American or something, because yeah, we didn't wear dark glasses and then. This was 1960, yeah. you know, to 64. Yeah. And then, um, and if we saw people with um, sports shoes on, like they call them Nikes and all these sports shoes they have now, which is so common to see. But if somebody came into the terminal with those shoes on, we'd say, oh, they're American. And it was, it was fairly right. But all the, the, I used to look after the, um, the lounge when all these 
well, there were film stars and all sorts came through. Yeah. And I'd make up special sandwiches and we had some little cakes made for us and and uh, the VIP room. That's okay. right. Yeah. So I, and I I had a, a, a separate uniform for that. And <laughs> it was fantastic. So I I met so many people and it was oh it was really. I really enjoyed that. And you mentioned that you met Jean Batten. Yes, um, I used to belong to the Royal Aeronautical, Royal Aeronautical Society because I was doing engineering, not licensed, but mind you, there were seven of us in the hangar and, and only the boss was licensed. Okay. And um, this is for man material top dressing, so I worked on fixed wing and helicopters, but I'm mechanically minded and mad, and so. I fitted the bill and specialised in fabric work. Okay, yeah. And they had an ageing corny. But anyhow, um, um, so, uh, so I joined the a chap I'd met at um, um, Palmas North Airport. And he said, Look, he said, you do engineering. He said, You should join the Royal, Royal Aeronautical Society. And I said, I'd love to. I was the only female there, but they, they couldn't believe that I knew so much about aviation. <laughs> they had a film evening one night, and someone said something about some aircraft, you know, and I said, no, that's not whatever he called it. I said, that's an Avro 626. I said, Jim Frogley's got one of those near in Hastings. People were looking at me. Um, but I knew it was a 626. <laughs> And um, <laughs> shot them down in flames. <laughs> and so, anyhow, um, then we heard, or oh, Jean Batten, I think it was 1977, she came to New Zealand and opened the aviation section, uh, a building in Motat, which I had been a member of when I lived in Auckland. Um, it cost me 10, 10 shillings to join. And um, I used to go in, into Motat on my scoot, hobby motor scooter, and work on aircraft and um, but anyhow this I was living in the field and going to doing engineering and um, so Jean Batten she'd been invited down to Palmerston North so and we used to have our meetings in the uh, Manawatu Aero Club club rooms we thought gosh that's going to be too small so um, they hired a big hall and thank goodness it was fantastic and a chap um, Bill Bremner, who had worked for Union Airways, wonderful aircraft engineer, he said, come with me. So we went off and he said, he said I'm going to introduce you to Jean Batten. He said, she worked on aircraft too, as well as flying. So he introduced me and said, oh, this is Loretta McGarry, aircraft engineer, uh, which makes it sound possible. I'm not licensed, but I just loved it. So... Um, and she caught hold of my hand, well, I shook hands, and then she caught both hands and she said, oh my dear, it is so nice that females are still working on aircraft. I felt like giving her a hug. <laughs> I've got all the books and absolutely, oh, that was, that was a thrill. Yeah. But I've met so many great aviation people over the years and, and the aircraft, which, I mean, when I was at Whanuapai, I just see so many aircraft, so that's when my love of aircraft you know and um, it's just been fantastic so then we started the tire club and and um, I've done 
fabric work on so many aircraft, and, and other aircraft in Manitoba. I mean, used to do all sorts of stuff down there. But I left there in '87 and went back to Auckland where I come from. And, and did um, you, when you first started the Tiger Club, did you think that 50 years later you'd be at the? Think I'd still be alive? <laughs> well, I never, I never thought that far ahead. No. Um, Yes, we're, we're, we're just so glad that, I mean, I'm so proud of this club, it's just, just been fantastic. And I, I usually drive down here in my Toyota Starlet, which the number plate is DH82A. <laughs> and um, I worked for the police for 20 years in Otahu, and um, <laughs> one of the cops who, he's the only one must you know, new aviation, he said, I've just seen your car in the car park. He said, do you do some low flying? I said, oh, at times, yes. I said, but you won't catch me speeding because I just don't do things like that. But I'm very proud of that number plate. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so when you first came here for the first gathering in 1969, was this the same club rooms or has it changed? I'm not sure. Um, that, the, little, the little building at the end, because someone had said that, that had been built for Spans, oh, yep. and Spans was the nicest airline compared to some of the ones we used to see. This is when I was working in the cafeteria at Fanoa Airport. Yep. Spans, their crew were so friendly, but NAC just, um, they thought they were just, you know, the girls were there. Yeah. But Spans were great. Okay. And someone had said that that building had been built like sort of like a waiting room for spans, but then some of the others. Oh, I never heard that. But I don't know. But I I can't remember. I couldn't remember this building straight away because I we it was when we were having our 25th birthday and someone suggested one of the members suggested why don't we go back to Tamaru? We we haven't been back since the inaugural flying. So we'd been away from here for 25 years. So I think this. This was sort of changed, or right. this was built. Right. And, and this is this is now an annual thing to come back. Yes, well, we we just you know the the Euro Club here, which is rather small, but they're just they're a fantastic group. Yeah. And um, they've invited us down. It's been every October, yeah. and we used to come Labour Weekend, which always ended up bad weather. And someone said, why don't we go the weekend before Labour Weekend? And sometimes we get it fine. Yeah. But today, although it's, the sun was trying to come out a lot ago. It was, so I think it might be going to clear <laughs> up, who knows. But, um, but you no, said it's, just fan, it's just a fantastic airfield, you know, it's just so big and yeah. wonderful. But you said on your first one it was a bit of drizzle and a bit of sunshine. It this came out, it was it was this misty rain, it, was, it came down like fog. Right. And this is when Murray Willis got all <laughs> worried and took to his caravan with a bottle of wine. <laughs> Um, yes, that was that was quite funny. But yes, this chap was over over the hills here, yeah. and he was flying along and well, just managed to get out of there. Lucky. Um, but was that Ken? Was that CAN? I'm not sure. Cannon was a great workforce. I think I did some work on that. Oh, yes, Gosh. And one sugar, please.
No, I worked on all sorts of aircraft there. We had a lot of, we had a lot of customers with private aircraft. Okay. Lovely old fabric aircraft and a, a Piper Cub. Chap John Richardson had this Piper Cub, which was his top dresser. Yep. He used to top dress his aircraft, his paddocks, um, and I used to do fabric work on that. And I was. Um, um, gosh, Chap Cowper from Waipakarau, this chap came to the hangar door one day and he said, I'm looking for Loretta McGarry, I believe she does fabric work. And the boss said, there she is. And um, I can't think of his Christian name now. And he said, oh, he said, I've got uh, a Piper Cub. He said, you need, it needs new belly fabric. Okay. And I hate that because you've got to lay underneath the aircraft. Yeah. And um, <coughs> so... Um, he arrived with this aircraft, and a beautiful little aircraft, and I was, I had, it was, it, the weather wasn't really good for fabric work, but we had to get it done, and so I remember the aircraft came in and we put cardboard all on the side and had heaters underneath, and then here's me laying underneath doing the fabric work, and then I saw a young chap come to the door, and he's looking you know, at the aircraft, and because we had all sorts with our top dressing aircraft and um, he asked one of the oh he said it's alright if I come in and have a look at the aircraft and um, and he saw me laying under this aircraft and grey hair and, <laughs> and um, he's looking at me and he said oh he said did you work on aircraft during the war and I said no I was going I was at school during the war I said but top of the class that you actually knew that women worked on aircraft during the war yeah. so I love old aircraft so we had a great conversation <laughs> that was quite funny but um, no it's just no it's wonderful Tom and the I, I just I miss it but I just love doing the fabric work when I first asked to do the trailing edge of four wings in 69 I I borrowed a set of RAF engineering books and swatted up on fabric work. So okay. I knew I loved hand sewing. Used to win prizes, competitions yep. everywhere from hand sewing. So um, I did the hand, the training edge of all the wings, and um, and then um, a couple of us wrote, built some stands to put the wings in, and then I looked through my book again and. We did the stringing. I saw this $10 book advertised in an American aviation book, <coughs> so I sent away for it. So that was my Bible for years of fabric work, and I've now passed it on to Chip Hendricks for his Tiger Moth. So, uh, Fantastic. Well, um, no. well, I hope you have a very good weekend. <laughs> I'm thank sure. Well, the sun's out again. It it's is. going to be a wonderful weekend. It's fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for that. So, Bob McGarry, you were one of the founding members of the Tiger Moth Club. Yes, that's very true. Yes, probably the key one, really. Yeah. Tell me how it came about. Well, it came about because we met up with uh, a guy by the name of Ian Benny, who was rebuilding a Tiger Moth under the uh, auspices of Arch Finch in Rotorua. Okay. And I'd visited Arch, because I knew him from way back in the days of air contracts, um, with a view to trying to get a, a job and get my engineer's licence. So uh, anyway, uh, discussing with Ian and a bit of the work we were doing alongside him, fabric work, 
um, we sort of concocted the idea that we perhaps should uh, start the Tiger Club, um, a New Zealand version of the English uh, parent. So uh, away we went, we got hold of the aircraft registers from uh, out of the Wings magazines and from the Civil Aviation Authority and I typed up letters, I don't know how many letters I typed up, but we uh, sent all these off and um, to find out how many people were interested and uh, the result of all of that of course was um, the uh, inaugural uh, meeting here at uh, Terminé. Right. And what do you remember of that first meeting? Um, a bit cloudy really in a way. Um, we had quite a lot of aircraft here. Um, then we went off down to the uh, little hall just down the uh, road a bit and uh, actually um, had a meeting to set up the club yep. and uh, really away it went from there. Excellent. And so you've been a member ever since? Um, to be perfectly honest with you, no. Um, when I moved away from the uh, North Island, um, I really uh, sort of... It, went by the way, um, yeah. as things do, and your interests change and what have you. And I set up an aero engine overhaul shop in Christchurch or at West Mountain Airfield, overhauling gypsy engines. Okay. And, um, so we did a few of those, uh, 52 in fact. Wow. And um, oh, then uh, we closed that down in 2002 and I went to work for Air New Zealand okay. in their training school. Now, I seem to recall that you restored quite a rare aircraft, the Spartan. Yes, I, I bought the wreckage of a Spartan um, about 1973, I think it was. And then uh, once I'd finished with Air New Zealand, I decided to uh, get cracking and uh, rebuild that aeroplane. So 5,300 man-hours later, we had a Spartan, which we flew out of Wigram interesting in here. enough uh, when it was imported in 1929 it also was assembled and flew out of Wigram. Wow, fantastic. So uh, what's happened to that aircraft? Is it, have you still got it? That aircraft, uh, no I sold the aircraft, um, cost a massive amount of money, it's hell even, um, although I did the labour myself, but the uh, aircraft uh, went off to Pat Scotter who eventually passed it on to the Ashburton Aviation Society. Oh, right. okay. Okay. Um, so how does it feel to be back here in Tamaranui 50 years later after you first started <laughs> the club? It's um, very nostalgic of course, but it does make you wonder where those 50 years went to. Um, was it only 50? Are you sure about that? Um, but, uh, you know, the, the calendar tells the time, or, and uh, there we are. And uh, the weather's not a hell of a lot better. <laughs> so why did you pick Tamaranui as the, the first place to start off? Well... It was one of those things of the mo major number of aircraft owned in the country were in the North Island. And uh, we were looking for a, a central position to have, an air, um, have this uh, fly in. Um, we didn't sort of want to go to the uh, east coast and we didn't really want to go to the west coast. So, uh, and the Euro Club here was conducive to helping us out. Yeah. 
um, and they were pretty keen on that, which uh, made the whole thing flow nicely. And um, they've kept it up right. all the way through. We've had this flying annually for all those 50 years. Fantastic. Mm. Thanks again. That's something, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Really, it's quite surprising that this this Aero Club here, there must have been quite a change of, of membership over that period of time. And for the the interest still to be there. Yeah. You know, it's um, quite something because um, uh, the interest of old aeroplanes and things has changed quite dramatically over the years. Does it surprise you that the interest is still there uh, with the Tiger Moths and there's younger people coming through and flying them all these years later? It's very pleasing to see that, I've got to say, um, because there, there actually lies the major problem with them, is that we've got to get more engineering staff uh, that are experienced or have gained the experience to hold um, ratings to be able to work on these aeroplanes. And uh, I've tried very strongly with my own engine shop to get a person who, but after um, having something like five or six people work with me, uh, they've all gone out of it because they don't like the responsibility of certifying an aero engine. Right. That's a shame, isn't it? Oh, it, it is a shame. But it's strange, you don't see it up. I think a lot of it's got to do with the way of litigation today. Yeah. Um, if something goes wrong with something, somebody's got to be to blame. Yeah. And um, the Civil Aviation Authority haven't helped that one uh, because they're out to prosecute as many people as they can, it would appear, with the object of providing a security network. So if you uh, uh, litigate over a number of people, other people will take notice and say, well, I won't do that. Yeah, that's... Uh so, I mean, do you, do you think that in 50 years' time there will still be Tiger Moths flying and the club in existence? I think so. I do too. The biggest problem will be fuel. Well, that's a very good point. Can we convert them all to electric? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the days of the top dressing, they used to carry 250 pounds of fertiliser in the hopper. Yeah. Um, and they're all up weight in those days was, uh, if I remember rightly, 2,100 pounds. Okay. Um, whereas normally when the aerobatic weight is 1,800 pounds. So uh, they were grossly overloaded. And um, when they had that weight in, which normally only occurred with you know, carrying lime, um, they did not climb. Right. They always had to drop the stuff below the right. airstrip. Right. That's why they landed on the tops of hills. That's exactly right. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to uh, be able to help you out, Dave. Cheers. Well, I'm speaking with Amanda Rutland now. You've been in the Tiger Moth Club for a while? Yes, I joined in 2000, so 19 years now. Wow, okay. And uh, this is the 50th. Um, you've been to a few of these events? Yes, I have been to a few over the years. Cool. How many hours have you got in a Tiger Moth? Uh, just over 300. You're currently organising a, a Tiger Moth rally. Yes, we've Ta got a safari planned and starting in February next year. Yep. So the 29th of February we're kicking off from Kirikiri 
and we're going to go around North Cape and then all the way down the country to Bluff and then back up to Ashburton for our 50th AGM. Cool, that's like a two week flight around the country. Two weeks, yes, so we've already got about 25 people registered and um, obviously it's still several months away so we're very excited. But yeah, we're hoping to get um, about a dozen tiger moths at least and anybody else that uh, joins the club is welcome to join us. Um, so tell us about all the stops where people might be able to see all these aircraft come in. So we start in Kirikiri on the 29th, then we'll go up around North Cape uh, back, which is a Friday, back to Kirikiri on the Saturday night. Uh, on the Sunday we'll be over to Wurianga, then over to Apodiki, uh, round East Cape and then down to Gisborne. We'll be going to Dannyburg the next night. Uh, we'll probably call in at Masterton and then down to Omaka in Blenheim for a couple of days. Uh, depending on the weather, obviously. Yep. Uh, then down, th hopefully through the middle, maybe through Kaikoura to Hamna Springs, over the passes to Haast for a night, uh, down through the middle to Tiana, Manapuri, uh, Invercargill, uh, around the Catlins and up to Tyree, Dunedin, and then up through the rivers to Cromwell. And then our very last day, we're going to go up through Amarama to uh, Rangitata Island and finishing up in Ashburton for our AGM. And then that, so that'll be on Friday the 13th of March, so two weeks altogether. That's um, it's a, going to be a fantastic trip, and I hope that a lot of people will come out and, uh, and see you at various airports. Uh, they should be able to follow um, what's happening on, on the Facebook page. And yes, we have a, a Facebook page, Tiger Moth Club of New Zealand. Uh, so all the details will be posted on there, and we'll be doing daily updates just to let everyone know how we go on, if there's weather changes or anything like that, see where we're up to. Cool. And, uh, what would you say to anyone who wants to get involved and uh, and join the club to join the safari? Just do it. It's a, such a fantastic experience. I did my first one in 2000. Uh, we run them every now and again, and they're just it's so much fun. It just changed your life, hanging out with all these great people. It's only $20 to join the club for a whole year. Um, we've got a website, so you can go on there and uh, join online, um, and all the registration forms will be up in the next few weeks. To join the safari, we've got accommodation lists of... Um, different places to stay around the country. Uh, just, yeah, just do it. Awesome. awesome. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, so Jim Lawson, you're a, a life member of the Tiger Club. How, how long have you been a member? I was trying to work that out the other day and uh, I think, I think I joined the Tiger Moth Club in 19... 78. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So about I think, 41 years. I yeah. think. I could, I'll, I could confirm that. Um, but uh, no, at, at that point I didn't have an airplane, but then it wasn't shortly after that. Uh, and that's when you got the chippy? Uh, yes, yeah. Okay. Um, so you're sort of renowned as Mr. Tiger Moth or, or Mr. Gypsy Engine, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, because of my interest in airplanes, uh, all my life uh, I've been involved. Uh, from when I was two years of age was my first flight wow, okay. in a DH-60. And that was in 1932. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been involved in aircraft because my father was a pilot in those days. And uh, it, it was natural that I follow. But my parents wouldn't let me become an, a pilot. 
until I became an engineer first. Okay. Because they'd pilots are ten a penny. <laughs> but, but if you stop flying, what do you do? That's true. Yeah. You need a trade. So that's what happened. I did it engineer first, pilot next. So where did you do the, your training? In for, the for engineering. For engineering, or I, I did that at, in what's called a a renery. It's Royal Naval Aircraft Repair Yard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you you joined the Royal Navy. I, I was a, I was a I was a civilian, impressed to the fleet air arm, to do my training as an an aircraft engineer. And then I went into the Air Force. Partway through that training, I went into the Air Force in 1948. Okay. And uh, did a spell in, in the Air Force engineering and then went back to the fleet here arm again. So, and then I went to work for BOAC. Okay. So, uh, when did you move to New Zealand? I came to New Zealand in 1954 and uh, I went to work for Teal on the flying boats. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you've had an amazing history, haven't you? <laughs> what, uh, what are your earliest memories of the Tiger Moth Club? Earliest memories? Mm. Um, one of my earliest memories was at, I have a, a, a thinking, it was a portiki. The Tiger Club used to be called, the Tiger Moth Club used to be called the Tiger Club. And in general business at the annual general meeting that, that I think was at Apodiki, I moved that we should change the name of the club from the, the, the Tiger Club to the Tiger Moth Club because the Tiger Club sounds like a bunch of girls playing some funny game or something. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, it should be the Tiger Moth Club. And it was turned down. That year, I believe, and this is from memory, that the secretary and the presidency changed hands. And the following year, they changed the name of the Tiger, Moth Club, of the Tiger Club to the Tiger Moth Club. And I wasn't at that meeting. Right. So, so these are my earliest memories. Okay. Uh, um, and you know, we're at the 50th uh, anniversary fly-in, um, unfortunately the weather's dampening it a little bit, but um, it's it's still quite good to see all these aircraft here, isn't it? Oh yeah, we've we've got we've had meetings like this before, but this is a commemorative meeting, and it is good to see. There's only three chipmunks out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there should have been eight, but anyway. That's how it happens. I'm glad to see all these tiger moths. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, you're a past president of the club, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. How long were you the president for? I was a president for 17 years. Isn't that amazing? That's I was a vice president for three years before that. So, so that's dedication. 
Oh, it's been it's been it's been a, a learning curve. I have a sneaking suspicion that I was elected to be vice president at Ashburton, and that's where we're going this coming year for our for our AGM. So, and I'm going, and I'll be going in a chipmunk. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you sold your chipmunk a few years back, didn't you? Yeah, I sold the chipmunk a couple of years ago. Yeah. And do you miss it? Oh, yeah. Do I ever? Yeah. Do you get to do much flying these days, though? No. Well, I I do, but I don't do any flying myself. Right. You know, but, uh, I could if I wanted to, but I I I don't. Yeah. Uh, and I'm you're too busy. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> you're still busy uh, uh, reconditioning engines for these aircraft, aren't you, really? Yes, yes. I, I, uh, um, I've always got an engine to, to overhaul. There's always people bringing engines in. And uh, I look after um, four chipmunks. And uh, totally, that's everything. And um, uh, two tiger moths okay. I look after, and um, I do engines for heaps of those airplanes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got no sort of visions of retiring from it and getting out of it? If you retire, you die. So many people have retired, I've watched them, and they die. Yeah, yeah amazing. <laughs> I don't want to die yet, I've got a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Jim. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. Cheers. Keith Skilling, you're the president of the Tiger Moth Club in New Zealand. Um, to, this is the 50th anniversary of the club, and uh, can you Give me a little bit of a, a background of your history with Tiger Moths and, and the club. I've always enjoyed uh, watching the Tiger Moths and, and Osters and things fly since I was a kid at Tyree in the 50s. So I've always had a fascination for it. And when the opportunity came up uh, 10 years or so ago to get involved in the Tiger Moth Club, I, I jumped at it. Um, I thought it was a bit exclusive at the time, but in, in fact I was totally wrong. And it wasn't exclusive, um, so we were welcome to come along. So I came along on my chipmunk yep. and uh, really enjoyed the company and the people and the aims of the organisation and just got involved. And I started off by marking out the bombing and the landing competitions and that sort of thing and, and enjoying the social life. And then when Jim retired, Jim Lawson, after many, many years as the president, they were pretty short of someone to sort of carry on the baton and everyone was a bit scared to. So I got arm twisted and here I am, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the event today is marred a little bit by the showers, the rain, but uh, it's still a great turnout, isn't it? Oh, it's it's, it's an amazing turnout for the weather. <clears throat> and we made, a, we made a call two or three years ago that if the weather forecast was appalling and the weather was bad, uh, we would still carry on regardless because really it's, it's a social... Uh, it's a social weekend, and just look at the people out here now, even though it's raining, there's not much flying going on, but everyone's enthusiastic, and there's lots of conversation, and it's uh, it's really what it's all about, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, exactly what I've picked up on, is 
it's the people that uh, that make this club. The fantastic people. Absolutely, yeah, a great bunch of people. And uh, you know, I've been away in Europe for five months, and just left it to the committee to organise. And uh, they've done a wonderful job. And things might not look like they're well organised, but they just keep running because people pop up and yeah. and take over. So that's uh, been that's been uh, yeah, a great experience. Yeah. So you've not got your chippy anymore. No, that's um, gone. Yeah. So, are you flying anything at the moment? I got a Cessna 180, an old oh, right, yeah. 56 180, which are, which becomes the local truck, and I've brought it down here full of merchandise to sell and so on. And uh, yeah, it's a good, nice way to travel around. I enjoy it. Do you miss the chippy though? I do miss the chippy, but it's what I found. Um, it was quite limiting for what I for uh, what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I loved every minute of it, but I, I just couldn't really justify two airplanes. Um, and when I was living at Caddy Caddy, and we had the strip right there by the house, it, you know, nothing was nicer than in the evening, just get airborne and, and go and do a few arrows. And, and by chance and good luck, we lived right in the middle of a low flying zone. So get airborne, do a few low level arrows, and practice bits and pieces, and then and land and you know have a have a glass of wine or something. So that was that was really good. And I was using the 180 to travel. So when I shifted to uh, Woody Anger, I really had no chip, no no need for the chipmunk anymore. So uh, I sold it. Sadly, yep. beautiful beautiful airplane. I mean, it's very hard to find an airplane that flies as nice as a chipmunk, yeah. and I've flown quite a few. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, most listeners will know that you're um, you're quite well known as a Warbird pilot and ex Air Force pilot. Yes. And uh, you. You've sort of backed away from the warbirds a bit now. Well, I have. I, I just I, I backed away from war, warbirds, but not entirely. I, I, you know, I sort of love the thought of warbirds and what's happening and what they're doing and what they're achieving. And I'm still quite heavily involved, but I've decided that um, to get up display flying. I did that a couple of years ago. Uh, I decided a conscious effort when I got to 70 that I'd stop flying. Yeah. Uh, and I carried on for another year in England because a lady came to me and said that she had a hurricane who, that she, she wanted flown for the season. So I, I relented and flew that for the season in England last year. But this year I said no to the flying. And, but I'm still really involved. I'm now on the Flying Control Committee at Duxford with the Imperial War Museum. So we did a lot of shows last year in England, or this year in England, sorry. And um, I really enjoyed that. I'm still involved, uh, trying to pass on a bit of advice and, uh, and comment and so on, and I think that's important now because uh, as as the older boys like myself move out of the warbirds and young guys coming through, uh, they're very really very very capable guys and they're young and keen and enthusiastic, and I think it's much much easier for us to pass on the knowledge we have than them learn it themselves. So, yeah, that's uh, true. I'm still involved. Yeah. yeah. And of course, um, here with the Tiger Moth Club too, I've noticed quite a few younger pilots here as well, so that's, that's Isn't good to it see. It's great to see. Yeah. It really is good to see. I'm quite enthusiastic about how many young pilots here, and, and even just enthusiasts. I mean, there are lots of uh, people here today that, are, that are, have turned up with mum and dad, that sort of thing, and, and boyfriend and girlfriend, and I think it's wonderful. And they'll come through, hopefully. In fact, I'm sure they will. So what would you say to anyone out there who's listening or reading um, about the Tiger Moth Club if they're interested um, in joining or, or getting involved? Absolutely get involved. It's $20 a year, which is not going to break anybody. And I know what it's like when I first started out in this sort of organisation. You look along, you, you arrive and there's all these 
very, very old people with grey hair and bald head, and I think, my goodness me, what have I, um, what have I come across? And I, I know that's a genuine feeling because I've had a lot of people express that view to me. The opposite is 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 the reality. Um, we don't feel as old as we look, and we've still got a lot to talk about, and we can still have fun, and we can pass on an awful lot of information. And a really good way to start is come into Tiger Moth, the, the club, the pilots, the owners are all enthusiastic. They'll take you for a ride, they'll teach you to fly. We have scholarships for those who want to carry on with uh, engineering or flying Tiger Moths. Uh, in fact, we're running out of people to give the money to, so how does that sound? <laughs> Sounds like a must. <laughs> Sounds like a must. I, I joined this year. I, I, I went to my first event last year with uh, Bev and Juice. And, yep. Um, I joined up this year, and, and yeah, I'll keep, keep it up. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I mean, it's and the more we have people like yourself coming through, it, it'll it'll keep on going, you know. And and of course, they can rebuild anything these days. So if you find a bit of an old tiger moth. Uh, well, thank you very much, Keith. It's all right, Dave. Well done. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.